Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. So welcome to April 26, 2020. The last podcast I said 2010. I don't know what universe I was in, but I'm firmly grounded in 2020 today. And I am so excited because I have my sponsor with me via speakerphone, and she's going to talk about something she is very passionate about and that I have learned a lot from her about. And it's about forgiveness as a spiritual principle, also as a practice, but also the keys that open up the lock to self-imprisonment. So please help me welcome Sherry. We've been talking on the phone, by the way, for probably like 20 minutes. And I said to her, oh, we could have a three-hour podcast. We just are like when it comes to spiritual stuff. So thanks for being on my show, Sherry. Well, thanks, Julie. Thanks so much for having me. And you're right, we could certainly uh, talk forever, and especially on one of my favorite topics and a life-changing topic, which is forgiveness. So I've got a little bit of experience with that. Yes, you do. You've got a lot. We talk a lot about forgiveness. So I was hoping that you could share some of what is so important to you about forgiveness, how it changed your life. Um, It's not my story to tell, but when I do hear your story around how you came to forgive people and things that were done to you that could have changed the course of your life and that you could have drank over forever, in my mind, when I hear somebody in my life that's struggling with forgiveness, I always go back to your story because it's such a powerful example. So you're welcome to talk about anything as it pertains to that and how amazing it has um, been as a tool for you in your life. Absolutely. And I had no idea how much um, my alcoholism was tied to forgiveness. And I always say that spiritually unfit people are incapable of forgiveness. And that Mm. was certainly the case for me when I was uh, very young. I was molested by an uncle. And I would uh, refeel that old anger. And that's what resentment means. It means to refeel old anger. And, uh, you know, as my alcoholism got worse and, uh, you know, I finally had to look at it and I was drawn into AA. I remember in AA they said a lot of, well, what's your part in it? And I'm like, well, I had no part in that. You know, I was a young girl. Like, I didn't, you know, and I would just, oh, just go off in anger. And, And what I realized or I've come to know that my part was, a lack of forgiveness and whenever I speak in AA I always say forgiveness is giving up the hope that my past could have been any different mm-hmm. forgiveness never means what was done to me was okay forgiveness means that I love myself more than I hate what he did to me mm-hmm. and you know that was really powerful like that was really a life-changing experience because people would say you know uh, I'd say all that childhood stuff doesn't matter anymore And it couldn't have been any further from the truth because every time I got drunk, I would, you know, refeel that old anger and tell that story. So I clearly hadn't forgiven. And that's it's it's a easy word to say, but to forgive from the heart was what I experienced by working the steps in AA. And so those spiritual awakenings for you came once you started diving into the steps or was it more of a thing that you worked on with God? Like, how did you get there? It was definitely a process. And, uh, you know, I think the more that I talked to people about it, the less power that it had over me, because I think I had this sort of 
um, false sense of power through the hatred. Like I thought at mm. least if I have the power to hate him, then I have power. But technically I was powerless. I was a young girl. I had no power then. My power was taken from me. And I thought if I forgave him, that that meant what was done to me was okay. But it was actually the opposite because people think a lot of times with a forgiveness like this that that it can be a weakness but it was actually probably the strongest thing that I've ever had to do um was to be able to let go of that and isn't that the whole program of AA I mean you know we let go the first thing we let go of is alcohol uh the next thing we have to let go of are our old belief systems and uh you know our old ideas and that was me and I thought here I am so angry with my uncle and he's not even on the planet anymore mm. it just didn't make any sense for me to keep handing my power over to him so yeah it was definitely a lot of prayer and uh i think the the one true kind of spiritual experience or pivotal definitely a pivotal point in the forgiveness process for me was when i was listening to a speaker on tape and this fellow was talking to a child molester and he said that this child molester suffered from an obsession so powerful that it caused him to do things he didn't want to do it caused him to hurt the people he loved but he couldn't stop the compulsion to do it anyway and all of a sudden it dawned on me that me as a practicing alcoholic with my own four step who drank when she didn't want to drink and got drunk when she didn't want to get drunk and couldn't stop doing it anyway, all of a sudden that just gave me an ounce of compassion for the sickness that this person suffered from. And that was really a big, huge let go experience for me. And of course, later on, I learned out that my uncle was molested by priests as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a cycle, like I just found this ounce of compassion. And again, it doesn't mean that it was okay. Yeah. But what forgiveness did was it gave me freedom because it literally had nothing to do with him because he wasn't alive anymore. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's powerful stuff. Yeah, and I think, you know, the hardest part for me was accepting the apology I'll never get. Yeah. That's a huge part of forgiveness. Like when I work with people, I say you might have to accept the apology you'll never get because this isn't their journey it's your journey yeah i've talked a little bit about that before too with my parents like i have to forgive them as if they have apologized or taken responsibility for stuff in my childhood which i'm not saying they won't do it but <laughs> i can't say that i have hope that that's gonna happen and that freed me to have a relationship with them that wasn't fraught with like judgment and anxiety and upset like, it's like, okay, what's done is done. And I, I feel like I escaped uh, pretty unscathed compared to most people's childhood journeys. Yeah, and that's it. You know, it is it is a journey. And I always, you know, I joke with people. I said, and walk into AA on Monday and get that spiritual by Friday. It doesn't work that way. It certainly was a process mm. and a series of letting go. Um, but when you have that nice deep surrender where you just become back to loving, like this experience has no, um, I know somebody that talks about it, like it doesn't have the charge it used to have. 
like people will say, oh, I've forgiven stuff. And then you listen to them. And as they tell the story, they become more and more heated and more angry. And they're louder and louder. And I'm saying, so you still, you have no resentment, right? Yeah. You know, you just, you can tell when somebody's truly let go. And for me, it was just, it was an experience that now is very useful in me helping other people, which is what I've done, chosen to do with that experience, is to help other trauma survivors with it. Oh, that's amazing. You know, it's like, I always, I I often say, like, everything happens for a reason, but sometimes we'll never know what that reason is. We just have to have faith that God knows why, and maybe one day it'll be used in me. And there have been moments where I've gone through something, and I'm this is happening with a sponsee right now, and she, it's like she is walking in my footsteps. And something happened today where she was really, um, she shared something very vulnerable and sacred with someone, and it really shook her. And so I said, like the big sister in me, the sponsor wanted to be like, wanted to go beat up this person and tell her, you know, I I wish that didn't happen to you. But instead, I was like, this is really good. This is happening to you because this is going to prepare you for whatever's coming down your path. Someone's going to come across your path. It's toughening you up in a way that you're going to need to be if you're going to go on the path that you're going on. And I can only say that because that happened to me. And I didn't have anybody at the time that could tell me that. But it's like those aha moments where all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I actually know what to say to this person because I've been that person. It's the coolest thing. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, to me, true forgiveness is when you can thank God for the experience. And that's what I've done. And that's spirituality, you know, 501. That's not spirituality 101. I wouldn't expect anybody to, you know, say, yes, I thank God for that horrendous experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this point, I understand the process. And if I was to have taken away that experience, I wouldn't be the person that I am now. And I've finally got to a point where there isn't a thing that I would change. Like I'm so good where I'm at and I love my life so much. And this experience has enriched the current part of my life where I'm able to carry a message of, of depth and hope to somebody else, to other people who have been been through this and that's what I do I'm lucky I get to volunteer at a place that works with you know adult uh, survivors of child sexual abuse and it's it's very similar to Mm -hmm. AA in the sense of you know they know that I understand what they've been through Mm -hmm. and I think there's a connection it's like one alcoholic working with another alcoholic and it's one survivor working with another survivor and it certainly gives it more depth and weight uh, at least in my experience. And I think it's such a beautiful thing when somebody can connect and understand. That's so important. Like both you and I have um, volunteered at a treatment center. And so many of the clients when they come in who are assigned to recovery counselor will be like, are you in recovery? Or are you an addict? Are you an alcoholic? And the moment that recovery counselor says no, those guys are out of there. They're like, you can't help me. And I understand that we don't necessarily, like my therapist isn't in recovery. It's not necessarily something that someone has to have. But there's nothing, like it says in our big book, that one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic can't really accomplish if that person is willing to listen to someone else's experience, strength, and hope of walking the same path of addiction. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it does. It holds a certain depth and weight. And I always say with Alcoholics Anonymous, I mean, whenever I went to psychiatrists and psychologists, and this was only my experience, I always felt like they didn't get it or they were telling me what to do. You know, well, if you do this and this and this, it never, I never connected with them the same way with AA. It's like, okay, I'll, as your sponsor, jump down into the pit with you and I'll grab your hand and I'll show you how I got out. Mm. And I think that's the difference that this person knows that I've been where they've been and I've done these 12 steps and now I'm at a completely different place. I think it gives somebody hope in that sense to know that there there is light at the end of the tunnel. But of course it is work. It's mm-hmm. certainly work and I didn't come by this overnight it certainly was a was a process and uh you know i had to i always say aa is not here to tell you what to believe we're here to show you how to believe and uh you know that's why it says a god of my own understanding and uh i was on a meeting this morning and we were talking about that and i said the god that i had when i came into the program nine years ago versus the god that i have now it's certainly changed and evolved Mm -hmm. because I've worked actively and seek that relationship daily more and more all the time. So it's definitely, you know, I think with any relationship, you get out of it what you put into it. Yes, exactly. I will, I have said in the past to, I don't know who, but I know I've said this (laughs) because it's something I believe, (laughs) but it's, you know, I have, at first, God really had to yell at me, and he showed himself in ways to me that were very obvious, and the aha moments were like, bang, bang, and there were signs, and he, the how he drew me into further relationship with him is leaning in to learn what his whispers sound like. So now he doesn't have to yell. He just literally has to whisper to me. And I'm like, I know what that is. I know how to recognize that. And that's like in any relationship. Like when you get to know someone, you get to know them on the surface, but you dig deeper. And then all of a sudden you start to know what an expression on their face means or how they're, bo- they're holding their body or what their laugh sounds like or their cry sounds like. And that's true intimacy. And in that intimacy with God, it's like my life just has opened up to such depths, which is what I love about our program, because if we practice all of the steps, but especially step 11, which is about conscious contact with God on a regular basis, like there's no limit to what our recovered life can look like. It can literally keep getting better and better and better, which doesn't mean that we don't go through hard times, but it gets deeper and more fulfilling. And then it's like, why did I ever not want to get sober again? Like my life is so much better than the momentary spiritual experience I have when I drink or do a drug or have sex with someone or go shopping or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It's, uh, you know, it's the subtle nuances now that I have with God that, you know, before I, I never had. It's it's the connection. It's watching how God works in my life on a daily basis. And, you know, I'll ask people that, like sometimes that have been around a while, say, how'd God work in your life today? And you can see some mm. of them are, are quite dumbfounded by that question. And I can clearly tell you on a regular basis oh yeah okay I know what you're trying to show me I understand now Mm -hmm. you know because it's that connective relationship and and step 11 you know uh, I just I can't pay lip service to step 11 
or I'll get the results thereof. So I'm very blessed that I have non-negotiables um, that, uh, you know, I have one of my sponsees that calls them non-negotiables. And there are certain things that I, that I do daily that are non-negotiable to make sure that I am connected to this uh, relationship and that I am enhancing my relationship. And, you know, it's uh, definitely prayer and meditation have been, a game changer and uh you know i used to be a contempt prior to investigation girl and uh <laughs> you know now i'll tell some of my newcomers i'll say well if you you know i say you know send out a prayer god loves a strange voice oh i love that you know and uh it's it's true and i think the one valuable lesson i learned is that God does not change circumstances. God changes people. Mm -hmm. And that was a real light bulb moment for me because I thought when I first came into AA, I was the victim and you would drink the way that I drink. If you had your uncle molest you and you had an alcoholic father and you had this and this, that was my mentality. Like many of us, if you had my life, you would drink the way that I drank too. And then I thought when I came in here, I had this punishing God while he sent these horrible people into my life and and, you know now when I look at it it's completely different like God didn't change the circumstance of my uncle but God changed me which was my attitude and my outlook so that I can now use it in a loving way the experience to help somebody else that's so good yeah that one was a real game changer because I thought like okay you know, God put all these things, you know, and that's not God. That was a human, that was a very sick human being, which we deal with very spiritually ill human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a sick person that did that to me. That wasn't God. But before, I would have blamed God for all of that. That's a really good so distinction. Yeah. And that was a huge game changer. Like, I think God gets blamed for a, whole, a lot of stuff that is not God. It's human free will. Yeah. You know, so it's it's interesting to watch, but that was definitely a game changer that, you know, to me the only way that any like, you know, the old the old question, why do why do bad things happen to good people? Um, that you have to sit there and, and to me anybody who's been through a hard time or a tragedy, it's it's in the way that they choose to look at it. And the way that they try to help people, it doesn't change the grieving process or the pain around it by any means. Um, But if you can help somebody else through it, to me, that was the only way I could make sense of what had happened to me. Yeah. And I don't know where I heard this, if it was from you or somebody else, but I remember going through a particularly really difficult, awful time in my life, probably one of the worst times, and being a like a why me? And I heard someone say, well, why not you? Like, who would you want to go through this instead of you? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't think of anyone. So it was really good for me to have that flipped on its head to say, I don't know why me. Like, I read a quote one time recently that said, sometimes God calms the storm and sometimes God lets the storm rage and calms his child. But that's entirely most of the time, unless there's a major divine intervention, that's up to us to like crawl up in his lap and say, I'm using Papa a lot when I talk to God lately, which is really sweet. Just climb into his lap and be like, Papa, I can't. Like, just comfort me. Like, I need you right now. Just the most vulnerable prayer you can. And once I get through it, 
often I'm like, thank you that you think that I could go through that because I know you're going to use it for something. At the time, I'm shaking my fist going, really? I think I've had enough. Like you keep saying when God, you know, you hear that saying when God closes a door, he opens a window or something. And I'm like, you're all you're doing is hemming me in. Like there's no windows. There's no doors. I've learned enough. Please stop it. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, I see what that was. Well, that's it. And sometimes, you know, that's what sponsors are for when you're in the middle of that, you know, and and your spiritual advisors to be able to turn to them and get some words of wisdom. But, you know, I remember coming into AA and the one I heard all the time is, you know, God won't give you anything that you can't handle. And I'm like, okay, well, he brings me awfully close to the edge. And that's true. But when I look back at my life, I was close to the edge, but I've always managed to make it through. And I think, you know, I've had so many God-centered and wonderful experiences that they're my experiences now. So I'm not riding on the coattails of somebody else telling Mm. me their experience. Like, I was a person that said, yeah, okay, maybe there's a God, but not for me to, okay, let's come to believe to now developing my own personal relationship and having my own experience with God knowing, like now it's gone from belief to knowing, absolute knowing, mm. um, that there is one. And, and it's, you know, like you said so beautifully before, it's it's not that we don't go through tough times. It's not that we don't have emotions. It's about having that very deep, deep faith that things are going to be okay. Yeah. And that's where I'm at now. And there, there is a sense of ease and comfort uh, that I get from that that I never got from alcohol. Yes. So you know, it's just, it's interesting. But again, you're talking somebody who's been around a couple of 24s. I would not have been talking to you like this uh, if I was a week sober, that's for sure. Well, how many years are you sober now? Uh, it was nine in February. Oh my gosh. How'd that happen? (laughs) Well, and that's it, you know, and I remember, like, I saw, you know, year two or three, like, you know, you kind of, uh, like, for me, I had the pink cloud, and that went away, and then I had the the total crash, and uh, that's when I had to start dealing with all of this stuff, because all of a sudden, all these untreated emotions and untreated grief were all bubbling up to the surface, and I thought, well, if this is what being sober is like, I'm not dealing like this is this is crazy. I don't want to feel this way. But what I needed to do is I needed to get deeper and deeper into the steps and do the work. And they always say, like, you know, I've worked in a treatment center and, you know, we had the picture of the iceberg up there and there's the iceberg. Nine tenths of it is under the water. Well, the drink is the one tenth above like alcohol is but a symptom. Mm -hmm. All that childhood, everything else, my belief systems, the way I operated in the world, that's the nine tenths underneath that I needed to look at and continue to look at to this day. Yeah. It's the beauty of our program, right? We can always go back to four. And figure out what's still under the surface. Oh, constantly. And there's always something, you know, coming up. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm very careful. Like I tell people, I'm very, you know, I always say whatever you focus on becomes your higher power. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, you know, I know we don't have traffic now, but back in the day when there was, you know, traffic out there and somebody would cut me off and 
then I'm, you know, I'm cursing them and then I'm still thinking about them 10 minutes later and then five minutes after that, I'm calling a friend saying, you're not going to believe what this guy did. Then I call another friend. So (laughs) 45 minutes later, I'm still talking about this guy who I don't know his name and he's become my higher power and he's probably at home already with his feet up watching TV. Mm Mm-hmm. So when I kind of thought of it from that, I'm very careful who I hand my power over to. That's good. Because I'm refeeling the old anger. Like, now I just sit there and I'm like, okay, I guess you have something important to do. Do I like it? No. But, uh, you know, I'm very I'm very quick to get out of those situations. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to forgive you for that offense you committed against me <laughs> and move on with my day. And move on. Yep. But before, oh, boy you know, hours and hours, like I spent decades with emotional hangovers, you know, that's why I equate drunkenness to, to sobriety, you know, it's like an emotional hangover, like resent means to refeel, I'm emotionally hungover. Yeah. And that's what this deal is for me now, it's about emotional sobriety, because there's, you know, just not drinking is white knuckling it, I may as well go back to alcohol if I'm going to white knuckle it, like this is true emotional sobriety balance peace like it's genuine Mm -hmm. and sustaining like just because our addiction gave us pleasure but our recovery gives us sustained joy and sustained peace which is so good well i think that's a good place to leave off before you go i didn't run this by you but you could tell me if you want to um, say it on the air, but I don't know if you can, I know the listeners will hear this. This is one of my bracelets. You have a recovery. I don't want to say it's a gift shop, but do you want to talk about that so that people can be directed to your shop? Oh, you're very kind. That's very sweet of you. Uh, yes, I, I can talk a little bit about it. I started up a business and, uh, I sell recovery related items and, uh, big book covers, coins, all those wonderful drunk junk as people would would call it and my mission statement for the business was to uh if i could get the retail side of it going that it would help support me doing uh i'm an addiction counselor as well that it would help me support doing counseling on a sliding scale for some people that might not be able to afford full fee so also all the counseling's on the website and my daughter and i are counseling together so uh, she has more letters after her name than the alphabet, and she'd kill me if she knew I said that, but uh, <laughs> she's, she's just uh, an amazing person in her own right, so we're doing the counseling together, and, uh, you know, we certainly understand the family disease of addiction, and, uh, you know, that was kind of the dream, And uh, but the website's up there, and that's very kind of you to uh, to let me talk about that, so I really appreciate it, because business has, uh, obviously, I you know, was going to roundups and things and, and it's different with the crowds there. And now, of course, there's no crowds. I know. I'm, I miss our roundups and our conferences, but, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be back soon. So what's the name of the company called? The company is called Healing Moments and uh, the website is healingmoments.ca. And Instagram, same thing. Is it at Healing Moments? I, yeah, at Healing Moments, or it could be Healing Moments Canada. My daughter is the lovely person that does all of those things, but I'm pretty, it's either Healing Moments or Healing Moments Canada, I believe, on Instagram. 
Okay. And I will put that also on our um, stories with a link. And I'll show a picture of the bracelet that I'm wearing that you made me. I have a couple of things from yours. I have cards. I have bookmarks. Your T-shirts um, at the ORC were really popular. I can't remember what they said, but it was stuff like take it up with your sponsor. And what were some yeah. of the other ones? There's, uh, I think one of the popular ones was uh, retired blackout artist. Um, <laughs> yep. That one always gets a laugh. And then, uh, if found, please return to AA. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so that one keeps me out of a lot of trouble. And you also <laughs> have, um, like, bejeweled chips for people on different years of their recovery, too? Yep, all that's on the website. So some of them are Swarovski crystals. And uh, I'm, I was blessed because I found when I went down to the States, they had so many pretty recovery items and I thought we need this stuff in Canada like Canada's got great recovery and I just couldn't find the variety of stuff so yeah there's all kinds of stuff and there's always new items daily since I've been quarantined I've been making all kinds of uh different uh necklaces and that kind of thing so there's going to be all kinds of nice new stuff coming and uh yeah that's what I do when I'm quarantined oh I can see them now so it's healing moments Canada and I can see you now have like geodes with other things on them like handcuffs or the AA symbol or um wings I like the handcuffs isn't that cute that was the one I'm gonna call that my freedom collection oh I love it handcuffs with a, a little AA symbol so not that anybody in AA would know anything about handcuffs, I'm guessing. So. <laughs> of course Some, some not. people joke, they're like, oh yeah, whenever I got drunk, I broke out into handcuffs. For me, it was whenever I got drunk, I broke out into a relationship. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Let's avoid that going forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't speak for everybody, but no. uh, I've certainly been a lot saner since. But uh, that's only my journey. So that would be a whole other podcast. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for spending this time. This is with me. Like, this is how we talk. We just happen to be recording it today. Um, And I will continue chatting with you after I turn this off. So thank you, everybody that's listening today. You're welcome for this amazing podcast with my sponsor. And as usual, if you want to get a hold of me, you can DM me or Lisa on our Instagram for Two Sober Chicks at Two Sober Chicks. You can email us, twosoberchicks at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter. So I love you. Stay strong. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.